Welcome to Skip It, the podcast about the well-known TV series, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Today, we're covering episode 18 in season one, known as Summer Storm, and I'm joined, as always, by Lee. Hello, Lee. Hey, Ashwin. Hey, Johnny. And also, Johnny. Hey, Johnny. Hey, how you going, guys? This episode, Summer Storm, it's written by Ed Devereaux, who's the wholesome Ranger Matt in charge of the park. Um, So I'm expecting... Jerry to have much less horny dialogue than when Ross Napier is at the helm. I'm not sure if you guys were yep. thinking what might happen with this episode. I thought it was funny that Ed Devereaux wrote the episode where he was in the bed and did nothing most of the uh, time. So <laughs> yeah. I was like active dream of writing for yourself. And he did the opposite. Instead of giving himself the most lines, <laughs> he gave himself the least amount to do for most of it. He's actually seems like quite a humble person. His character is quite humble. So when giving the opportunity to write, he also wrote in quite a humble way, which you'll see as the plot unfolds. It's directed by Eric Fullylove, and it features our usual family, plus a truck driver played by Reg Gorman. We open on a dark, ominous sky. It's it's an apocalyptic grey. Looks like Jesus is about to return. It's a (laughs) sensational dark sky. There are strong winds. Lee, were you impressed by the storm quality of this episode at the start? I was immediately gripped because you're right. I had the exact same word ominous as how I would describe that. It had scary music and the color grading. It had lots of sepia tinting when that huge storm was approaching. Like they really built it up from the start. Yeah, I was was very impressed. I wasn't sure if they waited for an actual storm or if they CGI'd it in. But back then it seemed like you had to wait for an actual storm. What, What did you think about it, Johnny? I did uh, note the sort of sepia tone they put over it, like some kind of colour grading um, or filter they put, just to sort of make it a bit darker, because I have a feeling it was just a lot of clouds. And then, like, there was probably a few clever shots where it's just, like, Matt in a wind machine, you know, and leaves getting thrown at him. But there were some very, very scary clouds that looked like they were actually shot on the same film grain as the actual show. So I have a feeling they did do that. And they filmed it on definitely an overcast day. So there was a bit of effort put in and uh, a windy day at that. That, yeah, waited for a rainy day. So the, the show kicks off and Jerry and Mark are moving the chopper inside for safety. An oboe place, which in the Skippy universe signifies danger. Skippy, of course, heads into the house. If you're not sure if you guys noticed, Skippy heads into the house while the other animals have to suffer in the trees. Lee, is Skippy a, a, a pampered pet at this point? You're right, because there were a lot of shots of other animals in the park looking very worried, and no one seemed to care about any of them, including Skippy, who just was mm-hmm. like saving herself just straight in there and you're right it probably is because she's so domesticated at this point she's just yeah waiting to be curled up beneath someone's legs yeah exactly but um this episode is quite a challenging one for us so she has to snap out of that domestication a bit later which we'll see in the episode so matt and jerry they're discussing basically how they've run out of helicopter fuel in the middle of this storm they get a call and we find out that the fuel supplier driver jim Payne, had left that morning but he hasn't arrived He'd taken the shortcut, which is very likely to have been flooded in the storm. Johnny, were you mad at Jim for driving in floodwaters? 
Well, we know what the catchphrase is. Uh, if it's flooded, forget it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> this is like uh, driving in the bush 101 and just driving in Australia in general 101 because you don't know when a uh, road's going to go under. And it was very irresponsible, especially when he's got helicopter fuel in his truck. And we'll see later, like, it's pretty typical of how people get stranded. Speaking mm. of catchphrases, there was one that was used by Cherry. <laughs> now, I'm going to read it verbatim because when I heard this, I thought, did Ross Napier interject this line into this particular <laughs> script? Because the line that Jerry says when he and Matt are examining this approaching storm is, looks like we're in for a real blow this time, Matt. I'm <laughs> so sure that like... was innocent. I'm sure that was innocent. Yeah. That was innocent <laughs> Matt. Uh, Ed Devereaux just writing, not even thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, And Jerry Never said it in before. like, Totally facetiously. Yeah. Well, I wonder if they all had a little bit of a snigger at Ed Devereaux because he didn't realise how dirty that line could be because he's such a wholesome chap, but they they left it in there. Well, also, Jerry's pants were off, so that was probably another thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we see Jim Payne. We finally get to meet Jim Payne, the truck driver. He's in the truck. He's looking distressed. It's very a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show at this point when they're heading towards the house. They don't know what Janet and Brad are in the car. Not sure what to expect. It's got that. It's got quite a creepy vibe to it. And then Matt back at the base says, "Oh, we should try to radio him," but the radio isn't working. So Matt gets started on a rescue mission. He and Jerry prepare to leave while Sonny and Mark get their supplies ready, including packing some serum. And very dramatic music plays as the supplies are being prepared. Uncannily dramatic for what is basically a footage of logistics, and which comes back to us later on. But Jerry and Matt, they get in the station wagon and this weather looks much more suited to a Jeep than the car they're driving. As they, as they drive, Matt looks to be rocking himself left to right to simulate a storm. Like he's really telling it. Lee, what did you think about this moment? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things I just wanted to highlight. So one is that whole packing montage. It was like in a Rambo movie where there's all those insert shots of the belt getting strapped on and it's... Dun, 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 dun. Lee, I was thinking uh, Sam Raimi, like, you oh, know, like the, the yeah. zoom in, uh, shots. Uh, they're, they're very typical. So, yeah, yeah, it was a great little scene, that. But it was important because the serum that they had the insert shot of was deliberately put there so that you knew they've taken it with them. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of disguised with other insert shots. So it wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, we're just showing you that this particular item has been taken. It's just one of many things, but it was certainly a close-up of it so you knew it had been taken. And then, yeah, yeah that poor man's process, Ashwin, when they're rocking themselves back and forth was hilarious. <laughs> like, they were not actually taught how to <laughs> make it look like they're in a car that's stationary being rocked by stagehands. Yes, yeah, get someone to shake the car. It looked very routine and regular. Like he was just, I don't think he well, dances very well. He doesn't look like he has a lot of rhythm and he was just shaking left to side. And I, I think they were doing the uh, the chop the fake chopper movement instead of yeah. <laughs> the, um, the fake car. But also going back to the car, Ashwin, it is a station wagon, really low to the ground, like yeah. not at all anything <laughs> he would use. And don't they have like a Jeep? or a truck. Mm. I'm sure they had some kind of utility vehicle. But yeah, I thought it was very interesting how crappy the car was that they were driving. At least this time, 
Matt didn't ask Sonny and Mark to come with him because at first when he's called Sonny and Mark to go get help, I thought, oh man, he's going to ask them to come with him to rescue yeah. this guy. And then this time he actually displayed some good parenting skill. Maybe that's because he was writing and he's like, I'm not going to keep having my character written like a terrible father. So he keeps Mark and Sonny behind while he and Jerry go do the rescue. But, Lee, yeah. look what happens though. <laughs> you know, it's like the True. one time Matt does get off his ass, <laughs> he ends back on it. But yeah, I thought it was also interesting that that crack of lightning that, you know, obviously cut off the phone, that Sonny was the only one that actually surmised that it must have been the lightning. Yeah, a little genius moment from Sonny there. <laughs> so, yeah, it was an interesting little bit of change for us, for Sonny to not be sent into danger for a moment. And just coming back to that um, packing scene as well, I find in the show sometimes they use inappropriate music. Like, you'll often get sexy saxophone where it doesn't belong. Mm. So I thought this was one of those occasions where they were just hamming up a logistics packing too much. If I hadn't read the plot earlier, it, it could have been a little bit of a devious moment, that moment. But let's go back to the car. So Matt and Jerry are driving in the car on the way to Jim to try to rescue Jim. A tree branch snaps behind them and blocks the road, but they plan to fix it on the way back. They find Jim Payne bogged in a river. Matt gets out and he heads over to the truck. Jim is passed out, but wakes up surprisingly quickly when his name is called. But I didn't know it was that easy to wake up an unconscious person, but we find out his axle, I think his axle is broken is what they said. Uh, Matt does some first aid on Jim's head wound. And so, so far things are looking okay. We're going to get out of there. We've found Jim. Problem solved. Let's go home. 13 minutes in. Can I just also say how awkwardly weird he was, like, hanging out the car window? Because it's, like, really weird how you'd eject yourself out the side. <laughs> like, and, and it's not like he crashed into anything. He went into a water. So God knows what he was up to. Uh, I'm assuming he's crashed, but he hasn't crashed anything. He's just flooded the truck. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a trucker, and he was getting ready for a real blow. So. <laughs> I know. That's what I was saying. Is he, what yeah. was he up to in that? Maybe, maybe that's why Skippy was hiding out in the balcony. It's just safer when Jim's in town. Is getting Jim out of the truck unconscious in a flooded creek zone a good idea? Because if he's really Mm. wonky, I would be thinking he could collapse into that and drown. You you would want to treat them in the car and then get them out, you know, because that's I'm pretty sure that's what they normally do if there's no danger. You know, you don't move them straight away because you don't know what other injuries he's got. So, Mm. um, Mm. yeah, no, so he gets him out and Matt takes good care of him, though. Yeah, so Matt's, Matt's looking after us. Now we're just about 13 minutes into the episode. It all looks resolved. I thought, we're going to go home early. It's going to be fun. And then they start to cross the river. And then we look around and, and there's a snake creeping around on the river. It all looks very Jungle Book at this point. And as they cross the river, the snake bites Matt's hand. And in the commotion, some items seem to get dropped. They get to the other side of the river. Jerry starts cutting Matt's jacket to start first aid after the snake bite. It's obviously a nasty bite. Did so. you see the size of the knife that he pulled out? It was like a kitchen knife or something. <laughs> yeah. And, Very not Crocodile Dundee in this episode. I just wanted to say I called that snake yes. last episode. Did I not say that they'll use a shot of a carpet python, a non-venomous snake? And they did. And I feel pretty vindicated by all of that. It was big, though. It was a very big snake. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why they use carpet pythons, because they're really big and sort of very scary sort of looking a bit. But they're nice as well. But, yeah, they're Um, not venomous. They wrap around their prey. That's just one of those things that they always do in TV shows, and especially Australian TV shows. They always use a carpet python as a Mm. poisonous snake. The Aussie trick, you're letting the cat out of the bag for any American listeners. Yeah, 
It'll do nothing to you, the carpet python. So when they got off to the other side of the river, uh, Matt asked for a scalpel, like you like said, um, and he says he's going to cut himself and add crystals, which is the most emo thing he's ever said <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Did you guys enjoy that moment, Lee? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a few things weird about that scene. The first thing is he put on a tourniquet, and I guess this is 1960s first aid, because in actual fact, if you've got a snake bite, tourniquets aren't really something people use anymore. In actual fact, for a snake bite, you want to put in a compression bandage, which oh. means that he really should be going from the source of the wound down the limb to keep a compression on, and you should not be moving around a lot, because yeah. that's just going to keep the heart pumping you, blood yeah. with poison in it through your whole system system you've got to are keep as calm to, as possible are you supposed to get the nearest truck driver to pee on you <laughs> no uh, that would be mixing an old myth about jellyfish which only actually applies if it's a particular type of jellyfish otherwise you'll aggravate it more because particular jellyfish stings all have different uh, toxins in them um, you know the thing is lee uh, carpet python um, bites actually require urine but orally so <laughs> you would have to pee in that's mouth that's right. That's right. But that's why the crystals are so effective. So it's just yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. What crystals? Oh, C- Conti's crystals. Like it's like a um, disinfectant. So it's what they put into like water to sort of disinfect the water and stuff. So yeah, it's this brown stuff. And I'm assuming he's like cutting it to get the poison out, the non yeah. well, the non venom out. It's very. I reckon if Ross Napier had written this episode, we would have had a little crystal meth and peeing in each other's mouth. Much more exciting. He would have expanded on this (laughs) moment. And another thing is, if the snake bit Matt rather than constricted him, maybe the python is the one that needs medical attention? Have you guys thought like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, you're not supposed to be venomous, Snake. Yeah. What the fuck? Well, <laughs> you probably suffer from some kind of mental condition. <laughs> it, it's a um, carpet python that thinks it's a taipan or something. Yeah, it identifies as a cobra. That's fine. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Matt's looking pretty distressed at this point. So things are escalating. And Jerry says, we've got to get the serum fast, which they believe is back at the base. Mm. We see some items floating in the river, and we now know why the earlier logistics music was so dramatic. They get back to the fallen branch they'd encountered earlier and Jerry can't move it by himself. And he asks Jim to help. Jim goes out to help. Matt gets out of the car as they're struggling and says, Jerry, use the ax before passing out. And they are fitting final words for an Aussie bloke. If this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's on his gravestone. It's a very Matt thing to say. It's very yeah. in character. Well, he's thrown one before at someone, so we know he's all about those axes. Yeah. Did he throw one at? He threw one back when he was saving oh. Sonny, and it mm. landed right in a tree branch right in front of the villain to sort of threaten them to say, "Leave my son alone." That was oh, a yeah, warning. Right. That was my yeah. warning axe shot. Yeah. 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 So Matt, Matt is normally the alpha who's saving other people, but then in this episode, he starts to look. Very vulnerable, getting a lot sticker. They finally get the branch clear of the road, and Sonny is in bed as the car arrives home. Matt, again, looking very sick. Matt goes into a bedroom while Sonny takes Jim away to his own recuperation area. Jerry asks Mark where the serum is, and Mark says he packed it for them to take. They rush to the car, can't find it, and realize they must have dropped it while rescuing him. So Matt has passed out now, and Sonny is shaking him to wake up 
Did you find Lee this to be quite an emotional moment? I did, because Sonny crying out for his dad as Matt sort of lolling about in this stupor, and they, they really fade out on that. So again, that would probably be a fade out to a commercial break. It was emotional. Like I really felt that connection between Matt and Sonny, and considering how many times Sonny's been in jeopardy and Matt saved him, to have that role reversal was quite sweet. Yeah. No, no, it was very nice, that moment. I always like those moments between Sonny and Matt because I do feel like there would have been some genuine father-son dynamics going on there with uh, those two actors. So, no, I always like that. And, yeah, it was sort of a bit, like, disturbing seeing Sonny trying to rouse Matt, but he can't. Mm. Yeah, this reminds me of that episode where Sonny got stuck in a helicopter and Matt was emotional, thinking Sonny oh. was going to make it back home. Had, yeah. yeah. A little bit of that moment because there was a moment when it was Sonny's birthday a few episodes ago where Sonny gave Matt a really awkward headlock kind of hug. We talked about it. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. The awkward dad hug, yeah. <laughs> which the chemistry was not there that day. No, they've right. worked on that since then. I think Sunny side of, of yeah. it, like Gary Pankhurst, probably sort of like yeah. was told, go put your arm around him. And he was like, put arm around person. Um, you know, yeah. so it's sort of, you know, he's a kid actor, so you got to give him that. Yeah. So the family has very few options left. You know, the bridge is down, so they can't drive the car to look for help. The helicopter is out of fuel. The radio is not working. Mark comes up with a plan to cross Ainstone Ridge using a flying fox. Ashwin, whether you or Johnny want to explain it, and this is probably more for our international guests that are listening, a flying fox. What is mm. that exactly? Oh, it would be uh, like a zip line. You hold a thing with uh, handlebars and then you go down a um, you know a fixed line down to a sort of lower point. And, and named after the animal, which we have a lot of in Australia, yes. which it's, it's called a flying fox. It doesn't really look like a fox, but it ha- when it opens its four limbs, it essentially has like a gliding not mechanism, but it's a, it's built into it so that when it jumps, it kind of can not fly, but sort of float because the air resistance underneath those, uh, I don't want to say wings. How, what would you call those things? They're, the they're wings. They're like bat wings. wings. Yeah. You've got bat wings. They're, they're flaps of skin, but they're still wings. Yes. So that's what it is for everyone listening. And this is what we call the zip line here. Yeah. So Mark and Sonny run off to do it. And Jerry joins them after Jim Payne agrees to watch over Matt. Jim looks into Matt's eyes, but not the way a psychopath would, which is comforting. I was watching the way he was looking at him to think, is this going to be his moment to pounce? Lee, did you, did you uh, think twice about the way Jim looked at Matt in that moment? I didn't notice it while I was watching it, only because that established Jim as not a creepy murderer <laughs> slash child molester. So I didn't, it didn't, wasn't put in my head, so I didn't notice that. At that point, there was a very funny shot when Sonny decides to say, come on, Skip, let's go join at Einstein Ridge. Sonny runs one way with Mark to the car and Skippy jumps out and is clearly going in the other direction. So they have a very strategic cut at that oh. point to hide that fact. So they're in a gorge now. And they're trying to throw a rope with a hook attached to it so they can cross to the other side using this flying fox. Mark's throw falls short, but Jerry's makes it. And so Mark and Jerry realise that they are too heavy for the rope to cross the gorge safely. Sonny offers, but Mark says it's too dangerous. Sonny then says Skippy can do it. Skippy never gets to consent to any of her life-threatening actions. <laughs> But here we are again. Sonny pulls out a notepad to write an SOS. Finally, finally. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sonny's joined the modern age of literature and moved on from the hieroglyphics. He's got a message and he writes an SOS message on it requesting serum. The notepad says Dunlop 
nilopene because I want to look at what that is to see if there's some kind of cultural interest to what Dunlop nilopene is from 1968. I couldn't find it. Dunlop's obviously a famous brand. No idea what nilopene is. Johnny, do you know what Dunlop nilopene is? Yeah, I wasn't sure what that is. Maybe it's the description of the actual anti-venine serum. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was a branded notepad, just a Dunlop branded notepad. Oh, oh sorry. And there's yeah. also another awkward uh, pouch thing when he puts the message inside the pouch as well. Yeah. Um, but I have a feeling that might be his stuffed kangaroo pouch. I don't know. I don't think that was alive. But, yeah, he puts the message in there. And I did think it was sort of funny how, like, who the hell's going to know what this random kangaroo's going to have in its pouch as well? Like, because we don't actually see that end of it. No, and right. Skippy she often summons people to put their hands in her pouch. Like she gives permission to put your hand in her pouch to get a yeah. message out. Yes. So in this case, she would have had to take it out herself and present yeah. it. So yeah, true. She can thing. do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So they load Skippy into this crate and send her across the flying fox. Yeah, and as I said, now this poor kangaroo has to do extreme sports. I don't know if she was comfortable with this scene. She gets to the other side. She unlocks the latch and she comes out. She bolts. And then all she goes running. She goes skipping along as fast as she can. All the animals come out to cheer her on. Like when Simba had a child in the Lion King, the village is turning up. It's a wonderful moment. She even jumps into water, which she normally hates to do. Mm. And I hope this Dunlop Nilopene paper is waterproof. Because who knows yeah. what that method is going to say by well, the end of it. Well, maybe she can, like, tighten her pouch muscles and, like, you know, tighten it up like a bag. Yeah. A little zip on it. Yeah, a little zip on Yeah, zip tight. Oh. So back at the base, the family is waiting around and they're anxious because they know there's nothing else they can do at this point. But this is their one hope. Jerry tries the radio again, but it still doesn't work. So they're sitting around. We're seeing a lot of sad faces. They hear a sound. They run outside and a plane flies overhead and drops a package on the ground. It's the serum. And the next scene is basically Jerry returns to the park with Skippy. We find out that Jim is all right too. And they act a little suspiciously outside with a piece of paper. They go back into the bedroom and Sonny tells Matt that Jerry has come back with Skippy. Matt thanks Skippy. The family is still acting weird. So Matt asks, what's going on? They take a card out of Skippy's pouch. And it's a get well card for Matt, which means she went shopping as well as picking up the serum. Ridiculous waste of time when there's a life on the line. What do you think of it, uh, Johnny? What were your thoughts on this ending? Yeah, no, I loved it. It was really, really good. And I, I sort of thought it was cool how we didn't see Skippy do anything for most of the episode. But like those last bits, she used all of her superpowers, message carrying abilities, her latching abilities, and then obviously her speed in getting that message to where it needed to go. And then, like, the plane drop I thought was really cool because, like, that is the best way to get it out there, you know? And, yeah, no, I thought it was a very satisfactory ending. Lee, what what do you think about the ending? Yeah, I definitely liked it. That shot of the plane flying over and the little serum getting parachuted out was really cool. I thought it was interesting, though, how they were building up that card, though, because everyone was playing very coy and... It just ended up being a card. And the card actually said, when you get well, here's something we wish you'd do for us, dot, 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 stay that way. And then Matt laughs, and this is the sort of happy ending that they always have. Whereas I thought, is this just lazy writing? Like, they couldn't be bothered coming up with a joke sting. So they just bought a card that did the work for them. And was that really that funny? Like. (laughs) I think this is where we all miss Ross Napier. 
<laughs> but yeah, like it was a weird message in this, and it was almost like threatening or like uh, a bit like passive aggressive. Um, but I think also it was probably Ed Devereaux's, like, you know, one of those sayings that he had or something. So I don't know. It seemed a little bit funny to ha- to sort of say that to him, whether, you know, you really just sort of wasn't his fault anything happened. They've come up with better jokes. They've had Skippy in a diving costume. They've done better for those final scenes. That wasn't their best work. And again, it might be Ed Devereaux's a wholesome person. He just... Just didn't have enough edge in that final scene. Johnny, what did you think about this episode? How many gum leaves are you giving it and why? I thought it was a pretty good episode. It had the snake bite. It had a carpet snake as the venomous snake, um, which is sort of just staple for anything that's old and, and no one knows what things are. Skippy didn't really do much until right at the end, but pretty much she does save Matt's life. This is like the third time. So I thought it was a very, very solid episode. I'm I'm tempted to give it a four, but maybe like a 3.75 or whatever (laughs) or something. Um, Yeah. Lee, what did you think about it? Yeah, I liked it. I'm probably on the same page as you, Johnny. The things that I liked about it was there was excitement, there was stakes, there was tension. I had the exact same note. Skippy didn't feature much in it, but when she did, she was given the most important job, which was saving Matt's life. So it did have a good happy ending. I actually thought it went by really quickly. It probably Mm. is one of the fastest. Just for me personally, I thought it went by faster than probably any of the other episodes that I can remember. So I actually have given it a four. No, no, yeah. that's totally fair. Like, as I said, I was very up there with that. Yeah, I, I'm actually similar because I did enjoy that when there's a life on the line, I think it adds stakes to the episode. So it was yeah. always exciting to see, oh, is this person going to be saved? There's something about the stormy environment. It was a dark and stormy night. There's a real coziness episode. I always wanted to be there in that world. So that, that kind of pulled me in as well. Skippy, they trusted her with the final act. So that was that was quite exciting to watch him because normally if you send a kangaroo out to do such an important operation, it would just seem insane the people doing it, but there's three grown adults doing exactly just that. So yeah, it was fun in its own way. I'm going to give it, I'm going to let it keep its four, but it did need a better ending. It needed a better final joke. Could have had Ross Napier co-writing the final joke, but otherwise, yeah, four gum leaves for me. Johnny, what's our next episode? Okay. So we are up to episode 19, the rustlers. Skippy interrupts Sonny's radio lesson to show Sonny Shearer's rustling sheep who cons Sonny into working for them. Ooh, this is going to be a good one. Sonny gets best mates very easily. We saw with Mr. Trumbull, it doesn't take much. So yeah, I guess when all you have to talk to is a kangaroo, then it makes anyone that approaches you, please, another human. But also, yeah. like, rustling shearers? Like, do they go in and just shear the sheep and steal the wool, I guess? Like, okay, that's, I'd say it's a crime, but I don't know what else. Yeah. Why, why, why don't they just get a job shearing? Very, yeah, low stake, low reward kind of crime. But we'll yeah. find out more about that next week. Johnny and Lee, see you next time. See ya. Thanks, guys. Skip, 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 skip,